Extravaganza of gory violence capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. Boils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in. From Los Angeles, California, Bloody Disgusting presents the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more with your hosts, Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. Hey there, Trevor here on behalf of myself, Lauren and Leo, welcoming you to episode 199. This time around, you are joined by Prano Bailey Bond, the director and co-writer of a movie that made its debut at the 2021 Sundance Film Festival in its coveted Midnight section. It quickly earned an incredible amount of much-deserved buzz, being touted, among other things, as the best horror film of the year already. It's called Censor. Get introduced to Prano's world of mind-bending storytelling. Find out what went into immersing us into the video nasty era of the 1980s. Guiding incredible performances, some of her favorite band films from the time period, and so much more. Episode 199 starts now. And coming to video cassette April 9th, he's back to rip the lid off your rentals. Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. The talk of this year's Sundance Film Festival was a new horror movie. It had its world premiere in the Midnight section. Now, this is a mythical showcase spot that goes all the way back to the 70s. It is where John Carpenter showed us Halloween. Peter Jackson blew our minds with Dead Alive. The Blair Witch Project transformed the genre. The legacy and magic has continued with films like The Descent, The Babadook Saw, Mandy, The Witch, It Follows, Hereditary, and much more. The latest to continue in this lineage is the debut feature-length film from a truly exciting and compelling writer-director and editor. She is a multi-award winner who has crafted critically acclaimed short films, music videos, and more, was named Star of Tomorrow by Screen International, was honored as one of 10 directors to watch by Variety. This new movie of hers is being described as one of the best horror films in years. It's called Censor. Set in the 80s, it follows Enid, played by Neve Algar, who works as a film screener during the video nasty craze in Britain, who sees something in one of the tapes that leads her down the path to attempt to find her long-lost sister. And what transpires is a stunning spiral into a haze-drenched nightmare. Joining the Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studio, we are honored to welcome its creator and co-writer, Prano Bailey Bond. Uh, thanks. That was an amazing intro. Hey, thank you. I thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We had the immense pleasure yes. of seeing the film and are absolutely obsessed with it. First off, yes. congratulations on the many accolades into the beginning of a very new, thrilling chapter in your career. The film reached its audience as a part of a very historic version of Sundance. Most all of it happened virtually. But I must admit, the method that we were able to access your film had a wonderful intimacy to it that really complemented the journey that you take us on with it. What was it like to share the film in this way? Wow. I mean, it was different to anything I've ever experienced before. I've never even been to a virtual festival, so I didn't really know exactly what to expect. But I knew I was in safe hands with Sundance and in the run up to the festival, the way they were connecting us all and reaching out to us and telling us about like the VR space that they made this party space online. And, you know, you're just like, I really trust these people to, 
to do an incredible job because obviously you're worrying about you've created a film to be experienced in a cinema space haven't you and and then it's like are people going to be watching on their iPads or on their big TVs have they got good speakers you know is the streaming going to be good and all those anxieties that you're not used to dealing with around kind of a premiere that would normally happen in a cinema space but honestly it's been amazing it surpassed my expectations of what a virtual festival could be and what's been really amazing is the audience reaction online that has made us feel really connected to our audience so we've been getting tweets and insta messages and all kinds of things and that's that's been really incredible because one of my things was i'm not going to get to talk to people who have seen this film and right. and i feel like i'm really connected so it's been great it must be really thrilling to take an idea that starts as a seed with one or two people and then you watch it become this massive creative collaboration and being a part of that experience as it becomes that of the audience. You give it to us. How does it make you feel to hear what people are saying back to you about the film? There's been people who have written such thoughtful reviews and really, really got the film and really engaged with the ideas underneath the film. You know, there's always some people it's not going to tick all their boxes and we kind of expected that but the majority has been so incredibly positive that's it's just been amazing to be honest like the the way that different people around the world have also connected to the idea of censorship is something that we didn't expect so there was a really thoughtful interesting review from India that listed things that have happened around censorship in India and then even people in the states who have messaged me about it's really chimed with them because of what's going on around Trump. And obviously you write a film and you're not thinking about any of that stuff because it's not in your reality. It's not happened yet. And that's fascinating, actually. I find that really interesting. But yeah, the deep dive of some of these, you know, reviews have been really incredible to read. And both me and Anthony Fletcher, who I co-wrote the script with, have really appreciated that massively because you you develop a, a, a script and you're always kind of trying to balance how obvious and subtle you make certain things and the fact that people are reading you know our intentions into the film i think is it's just very rewarding so i'm really happy tell us about yourself was horror your gateway down your path to becoming a filmmaker yeah, I think so. Although I didn't really realize it for a long time. Like I started making films, just making stuff that I wanted to make. And really my way into dark stuff was through the characters that I was interested in. And I mean, I grew up on, I was grew up in the middle of nowhere. We didn't have a cinema nearby. So my kind of way into, you know, film and cinema, even though it wasn't in the cinema was through my my family's collection of VHS that was on the shelf. So, you know, there was like this amazing kind of recorded off the TV thing saying the rays ahead. And I'm like, oh, what's that? And so I kind of delved into all these, all these films. And then, you know, Twin Peaks was on TV when I was a kid. And that was the first thing that really gave me nightmares. Like I didn't get scared by the typically scary stuff. It was always the things that like wormed their way into my brain in a different way. And like something like American Psycho was like huge for me. I used to just watch that over and over and over again and The Evil Dead. So I was massively into horror. 
But it wasn't until I'd made a few things and I sent my showreel into a film fund for like a funding application. And they didn't pick the film that I'd uh, submitted, but they called me up and they said, oh, we've got this horror script and it doesn't have a director attached and we can see that you're a horror director. And I was like, oh, am I a horror director? <laughs> and I looked back at my showreel and I was like, oh, maybe I, maybe I am making horror, but I hadn't really thought about it, I suppose. I guess I was just really interested in complicated characters that are struggling with something quite dark inside. I've over the years come to think about horror as the return of the repressed, like the thing you're ignoring um, that's going to like seep out in some twisted way because you're just trying to keep it inside. And I think that, you know, that's kind of been my way into the characters that I'm interested in as well. It's like, what are we ignoring in our lives that's going to come and bite us on the face? Speaking on that, is there any specific moment from a horror film that gave you a feeling that you find you chase after as a storyteller yourself? I think there's a lot in Lost Highway. Mm. You know, there's a lot that that's very kind of visceral. I know I'm kind of mentioning loads of David Lynch films, but there's something that really you feel in your gut in that. But for Sensor, actually, the film I kind of used as almost like a link into the film is really unusual because it's um it's actually a cartoon about rabbits from when I was a kid. It's a film called Watership Down. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's really, really tragic and heartbreaking and, and violent. And it's based on an incredible book that's really political and sad. And um, the the rabbit warrens in that film, they're, they're all these underground rabbit warrens with like the whispers of other rabbits kind of floating down the corridor, down the tunnels. And that was always something that I felt was a bit like the censor's office, like this underground basement where you're kind of trapped with these films and instead of the whispering voices of rabbits, it's like, you know, the screams of people being murdered in films next door. So that was always like a hook for me to get into the project. What can you tell us about the video nasty era that occurred in Britain and the result of it? Well, the video nasty era was a period in the 80s over here when basically the birth of VHS led to like this boom in low budget horror being made. And now these films were available direct in the home for people to watch because there was no censorship in place ready for VHS. Everything being censored was going to the cinema. So suddenly you've got all these like horror films, things like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Suspiria, Driller Killer, all going direct to the home. And the reaction over here was these films are going to poison the minds of society and turn us all into psychopaths. (laughs) Um, And Obviously what happened was that made everybody interested in horror want to go and see these films. So they did a really great marketing campaign really for, for horror because people were seeking out like, you know, there's a whole group of amazing people who kind of were like a lot of them are involved in Fright Fest now over here. They were kind of bringing the films in and duplicating them and creating fanzines and posting them around and getting raided and having all their collection taken off them and stuff. So it was like this really fascinating period. But for me in Censor, what was really interesting was I started to think about, you know, 
why do we think we're one step away as humans to like snapping? Like we're one Lucio Fulci scene away from <laughs> taking like our shoelaces off and garroting our partner. And it's like, it's, what, what must we think of ourselves to, you know, like there's some dark monster waiting to be awakened inside us. And I really wanted to kind of explore that feeling and that idea. So I tried to, you know, me and Anthony really tried to funnel that into Enid you know, that deep down she thinks she's this terrible person. Do you have any particular favorites off of that infamous list of 72 films and maybe some that might uh, people might not have have seen? I know like Evil Dead is on that list and things like Texas Chainsaw. Are there any that, you know, undiscovered gems in that list? There are. I mean, I think because there's the obvious ones like Suspiria and Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the Evil Dead was actually not on the video nasty list. It was it was cut, but not banned. But there's a brilliant film called Basket Case, yeah. which I would highly recommend. It, that also wasn't on the video nasty list, but it kind of doubled, I think. It was like on and off the list. But it's so much fun. And I actually got to screen it on film with Cigarette Burns Cinema over here in London Short Film Festival a couple of years ago. And um, it was amazing seeing that on the big screen and with an audience. And ev- everyone was like laughing and reacting it's got some bonkers brilliant scenes in it so i'd say i'd point people to basket case as a first off yeah the original short nasty is centered around a son searching for his father is there a story behind changing it for the character of enid looking for her sister yeah do you know what it's so far back in the development process we always had this idea with enid that that there was something in her past that made her feel like a bad person and the, that was what we were always searching for through the writing process. And we, we played around with a few ideas that were kind of more to do with parents, but it really felt like the sister connection, it's such a strong bond. And there's something so sad about somebody not getting to experience that sibling connection through their life. So it shifted pretty quickly to sisters. And then we even played around with whether it was an, an adult sister and kind of honed in on that over time. The Boo Crew will be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Analysis Films, the distributors of the controversial box office hit Caligula, now bring you a new challenge. Maniac. No horror that ever froze your blood. No terror that ever pinned you sweating to your seat can prepare you for. Maniac. If you think you've seen it all, you haven't seen anything until you've met the challenge of Maniac. No one under 17 admitted. The character of Enid really has to carry this entire story. We're with her every step of this journey. 
what were you looking for in the casting process and how did you find that in Eve? Was there a certain moment in an audition? What scene did she audition with even that gave you that spark? You're like, this is exactly what we're looking for. I mean, I remember the notes I was writing to myself before casting. And one of the things I put was we need to find someone we can't take our eyes off because mm. she has to carry the, the film. She's in almost every single scene. So I was looking for somebody who had that like electricity on camera. And I'd already met Neve at the Screen Stars of Tomorrow in 2018. We were both sort of selected for the same year. And she was so lovely and then when her agent had been in touch with my casting director, I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And I've seen her in The Virtues, the Shane Meadows series that, that she kind of launched into the stratosphere through. And when, so there were, there were kind of on the front of like her being in every single scene, I'd always wanted to find somebody who I really communicated with well and who I felt like I could really work with and get along with and you know you never know to be honest but it, that was always like something that, that felt like that was there with need but that's kind of to one side really because ultimately you're looking for that that spark the scene that she read that blew my mind was the scene where she first comes together with Alice Lee which is set in the ravine and that's actually the image that we've kind of mainly used as well for the for the kind of press and things and when like you write that scene and you know I'd, I'd written it and I put so much into it but there was stuff in there that was maybe one line and it's just this one line on the page but when Neve brought it to life it was like this completely raw emotion she took it to like 200% emotionally and I was just like oh my god I didn't realize how how far she was going to be able to go with this and the fact that she could carry us emotionally on that arc you know because Enid has such a, a big shift in the film from this quite closed character to there I mean yeah it was you know and she and she is electric and you can't take your eyes off her but she also brought this empathy to the character that I think Enid needed because she could have been quite a closed character. And I think there's something about Neve that you really care about her and the characters that she plays. And I, I love that in one of the reviews, somebody said that we'd done the unthinkable and made people care about a PBFC, about a film censor. That we've made <laughs> people care about a film censor. Right. But I love that. In terms of crafting this film, how did you want to approach the violence in the film being that it's literally about video Nazis. Yeah, that was a conversation that was kind of coming up a little bit, you know, when we were having meetings around the film with different people before shooting, because it is quite a kind of woozy psychological film with these like bursts of, of violence. And I know that some people either want it to be woozy or some people want it to be full on violent. And and for me, it was always about Enid's point of view. You know, that's where we are. We're always staying in Enid's point of view. So they were definitely inspired by those, those films. And I mean, the final thing, what happens, I don't want to give too much yeah, away, yeah. but, you know, there's, there's like nods to uh, video Nazis in, in some of those moments. Absolutely. So they were definitely inspiring, but you're kind of, 
you're always coming to it really from what does the story need and what's going on for the character. That's kind of always the way I'd approach it. Sure. Well, you absolutely nailed the gore effects of films (laughs) of that era, like that giallo feel with a little Herschel Gordon Lewis thrown in. What did you find was a secret in replicating that, like getting the look and feel of the blood, right? Like what did you use for that? It's got a very specific look to it, right? Yeah. I mean, I worked with uh, who I call the godfather of effects over here in the UK, Dan Martin, who's like really prolific. So I've worked with him on quite a few shorts and often I'll write stuff and then I'm like, okay, how am I going to do this? (laughs) You know, (laughs) how do you actually kill someone like this? Um, And then I go to Dan and and he's like, oh, Brian, you could do this and you could do that and you could do this. And, And then we kind of we we work it out between us, but also you know it's it's looking at the films that you know you're you're I suppose looking at, at the video nasties which I was doing a lot of that was a, a joy in in making this film and writing it that I could just watch loads and loads and loads of these of these films and be like I'm working, <laughs> um, but but also working with people who really understand those you know those films as well and some of my collaborators are massive fans of this era too. And so they bring another layer, like, you know, Dan Martin, he's just encyclopedic when it comes to any kind of like death scene or horror film. And the same goes for my makeup artist, Ruth Pease, and my editor, Mark Towns. Like, you know, working with people who really get it and can bring like their own excitement for the genre and for this like, you know, catalog of of nasty films right right that's that like really enriches it all as well so you've got all your ideas and then it's a collaboration with those people that montage of video nasties that we see at one point are any of those compiled actual scenes or did you end up having to create a lot of that stuff your own on your own no we were super lucky i mean we we did create quite a few of the films within the film but the the title sequence includes um, scenes from Driller Killer, Nightmare in a Damaged Brain, which another one. I mean, that's a film I would say if you really want to watch something completely <laughs> nuts and wrong, then Nightmare in a Damaged Brain is for you. So there's there's Soul Tangler, and there's also a clip from Frozen Scream, which is like. I don't even know why it was involved in the video nasty list in any way, but it was, uh, it's kind of, I love watching that film. I've probably watched it like four or five times. And it's partly because it's like, I hate saying this about a film that I love, but it's so bad. (laughs) (laughs) It's so bad. I love it. You know, it's, it's on YouTube, I think. So if you want to watch like an impressively bad film. That's like Tammy and the T-Rex. Oh, yeah. Have That's another one of those. That? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's with Denise Richards and Paul Walker. Walker. Yeah, yeah. From the Fast and Furious movie. It's like the first movie they both did. It's oh, one of those ones that you see that's so bad, it's amazing. Yeah, you gotta look it up. You gotta look it up. It even has a title card wrong when you watch it. It actually they actually called it Tanny in the T-Rex and never went back and fixed it. That's how gloriously amazingly awful oh, it is. I love it. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's gonna be on my watch list. So how did you get that VHS look? It's amazing. Yeah, it was really important to get that like 
you know, for it to feel authentic, basically, because it was always such a big part of the idea. Like when I sort of spoke to people who were more grown up than me during this period and who had been like getting the videos that had been rewound and rewatched over and over again. And they'd say you get to like a, a really nasty bit and it gets even more dirty because everybody's like watched that part over and over. <laughs> so like it always felt even in nasty that it was kind of part of the, the like DNA of, of the film and we wanted to find that texture. And so, you know, we ended up working with Technicolor um, over here for the VFX who are amazing and they were equally as keen to make it as authentic as possible. So they actually did go down to VHS um, so it's a combination of dubbing to VHS and then enhancing that with computer effects, basically. So it's a little bit of both because actually when you go to VHS, sometimes it gets a bit too, <laughs> too uh, scuzzy and I wanted to maintain like the performance and things. So, yeah. Oh, that is that. so cool. Hey, I'm curious for some of the things that Enid watches, was she doing that? in real time and reacting to that was any of that stuff completed in post-production things like don't go in the church and, and things like that yeah it's a really good question actually so in rehearsals i showed neve and some of the other casts like a lot of really horrible like clips from from video nasty is like the turtle death in cannibal holocaust and things like that but on set we hadn't shot Don't Go in the Church yet, so we couldn't show her that. Obviously, she'd read the script and she knew what she was watching. And I said to her beforehand, I want to have something so that you're looking at a screen. Um, so what would really upset you? Like what what will make you feel horrible, basically? And um, between us, I ended up coming up with a really horrible video of dogs being killed for meat, which is the kind of thing that like I can't really watch either but actually on the day we didn't use it she had nothing in front of her so that whole performance is literally her imagining what she's seeing which is kind of amazing and when I was sat there on the day I was a bit blown away by that that she could just she has such incredible access to her emotions and um and such an amazing imagination to be able to bring that to life without even knowing what it is Oh, that's incredible. Did you even have to say anything to guide her through what she was seeing at that time? Do you remember? Yeah, I mean, we were always talking all the yeah. time. And obviously you go for number of takes and, and different angles and things. So you're kind of talking constantly in between. But yeah, so you're kind of discussing it as you go and talking about where to pull it back and where to go for it. And also trying to not let her go for it so much at the beginning that... You know, because otherwise, when you start the next take, you've got somebody who looks really upset right from the start. But um, but she's, you know, she was just amazing to work with as a director. And we shot this film really fast. We didn't have a massive budget. And for especially for like the kind of film it is being a period set with effects and stuff. So we were kind of churning through it and you're shooting on film as well. So you can't go for take after take after take. So like to be able to work with Neve, who's just so nimble and there and present. And then afterwards, she, you'll do a, I remember doing a scene where I went in afterwards and I was like, are you okay? Cause she looks, I was so genuinely thought that she was 
upset. Maybe she was upset with the direction I'd given her because she looked so upset. And I ran in, I was like, are you okay? And she was like, yeah, I'm fine. Because you know, she'd sucked me in completely. Um, she comes out of the character straight after. She's not, she doesn't stay in, in character. And, and when she does come out of the character, she's pretty hilarious. So oh, That's an incredible, <laughs> yeah. that's an incredible process. I would imagine to watch. Leo, you have the yeah. last question. Close us out, man. What will be your next project? Will you be making more horror films? Is this a sandbox that you like to continue playing in? Yeah, I, I mean, I love horror. So I'm definitely not like, you know, just boinging in on horror and then off. I do see my body of work as being like a mix of genre. Sometimes it leans very much into horror. And then sometimes it's more in thriller territory. And some of my stuff is more experimental and I love really mind-bending things that just twist our brains. I can see myself staying in horror and moving into other territories as well. And I am excited to see what happens next. I haven't got anything to say like concrete right now. So watch this space, I guess. Yes. Listen, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We cannot wait for news when everybody else will be able to see this movie. I'm sure it's on the way soon. Congratulations again. It's going to be exciting to watch. Oh, thank you so much. It's great to speak to you guys. That was the Buku Podcast, episode 199. Special thanks to our guest, Prano Bailey Bond. Follow her at Prano Bailey Bond on Instagram and watch out for news on her film Censor and when you can see it here on the Boo Crew and at bloodydisgusting.com. Production tracks for this episode provided by Power Man 5000. Till next time, it is the Boo Crew saying sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at Tales from the Boo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the bloody disgusting. Podcast Network. Bye. A bloody disgusting podcast network. Home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews. SCP archives. Weekly full cast storytelling. Horror queers. Genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective. And creepy. For disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.